you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Uh-oh! And a foul! Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. And Nowitzki again for the lead. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Glad to have you with us here. A very happy Wednesday to you. Middle of the work week. Hump day it is. And a big day here in Las Vegas. It is the WNBA All-Star Game. Uh, a very special day. It's a big deal. And we'll uh, dive into that for all those reasons why. So we are going to be coming to you live from the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay. I'm going to be with you here for the first hour and then uh, scoot on over there real quick. And uh, we'll be doing a lot of WNBA All-Star interviews. Going to bring you a lot of the ambience of the 25th anniversary of the WNBA and its All-Star game, Team USA. So a lot to cover. We've got a great guest lineup for you today. Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson from the Las Vegas Aces, who are part of Team USA Liz Cambage, also an All-Star, be participating in the WNBA All-Star game today, also playing for Team Australia. And, of course, Sue Bird, the legendary, probably the, you could say, Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, probably the most famous women's basketball players, probably for longevity and accomplishments, All-Star appearances, championships of all time. So Sue Bird will join us. So next hour... Mandalay Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, Mark Davis, Liz Cambage, and Sue Bird. Uh, We'll be talking to all of them, so uh, hang tight for that. So next hour, basically, we'll be giving you a WNBA All-Star Game slash Team USA Women's um, Hour, so to speak, as we get ready for the WNBA All-Star Game, which will be broadcast on TV on ESPN at 4 o'clock. So... Uh, we got the first hour here, uh, second hour over there, and we got a lot to talk about today. We got W, we got uh, NBA Finals game number four. We'll touch on that this hour. Chris Bosio will join us as we recap uh, last night's Major League Baseball All Star game, but more importantly, uh, a look ahead to the second half of the season. So a lot on the docket here today. Yours truly, Ballpark Frank. Yeah, a lot on the docket today, and like you mentioned, uh, it's also going to be interesting to see uh, during the game. Uh, with the all-star uh, setup the way that it is, you're going to have aces playing against aces. Yes, this is true. Yeah, you know, yeah. so so that's always kind of fun yeah. a little bit too when you get that you know the rivalries going and it's like you know is you know is is Asia going to try to put a move on and go around uh, Liz at some point? Is Liz going to try to body her up and you know kind of block it and start something uh, down low and start to break the other way or something? You know, Subert all of a sudden is going to be a teammate of uh, the team that they go against and that. So right. it's it's always kind of fun when you get that kind of stuff because sometimes you get that and you wonder if there's a little bit of animosity but sometimes you know it's it's also like whenever you get to play with a sue bird you know that's like legendary stuff or something like that so they really thrive in that environment and going boy i really hated it when she was hitting those threes against us last year in the finals but boy would it be fun to play with the play with this lady on a day-to-day basis yeah and we had talked about that before when we were talking about the assembling of the Olympic team and the all and the uh, national team roster, how excited that these women are. And just like the guys are as well, too, you know, playing with these guys, like you said, that you're competing against and year after year and you're having these battles and now you're teammates. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely touch upon all of that uh, with our guests uh, next hour with that. And it's funny you bring that up about, you know, Asia against Liz and that sort of thing. And we saw this the last time we had the all-star game two years ago, obviously we didn't have it last year, but, it was like Team Deladon against Team Wilson, if you remember. And they went for the first time, you know, choosing teams and all that sort of thing. And, and you had that. And it's funny because Asia didn't want to choose Liz. <laughs> I remember that, you know, on, on her team. So Liz was on the other team and they were going against each other. And Liz had said, I'm going to be shooting threes. And, and sure enough, the, the first shot of the game was Liz Cambage won the tip, got tipped off. They they gave it back to her. She launched a three, yeah, immediately, and she hit it. 
awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an exhibition. Right. You know? Now, here's why this thing is a big deal here today. They are celebrating the 25th anniversary like they've been doing all season long. This is really about the growth of this league because it really has come a long way. I remember the inception of this league when you go back to 1996, 97, that sort of thing. You know, I was in Sacramento. Sacramento had a team because back in those days, you know, you had the the NBA ownership also owned the WNBA. So at that point in time, the Maloofs had owned the Sacramento Kings and also owned the Sacramento Monarchs as well, too. And, you know, the, the L.A. contingent was the exact same thing. You had the same colors. You had everything. And then things kind of branched off a little bit as the years went on. But the WNBA is really at its zenith right now. It's at its peak. They have the national uh, television contract with ESPN, ABC. Their ratings have been the highest. The game definitely has improved over the years. We used to joke and say, hey, uh, this is like the layup league because it was either a layup or, you know, there was no mid-range. There was, wasn't a whole bunch of, uh, of three-pointers, long jump shots. But the way this league has evolved has been tremendous. And, um, of course, people will say, well, you're biased because, you know, you're involved with it, with the aces and that sort of thing. But it, it, it's true. It, 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 is a, it is a very good product that's on the court to watch. And, you know, when we start talking about Olympic teams and national teams, you know, we're talking about how the men have been struggling. Yes, they got a victory yesterday against Argentina. But there's not going to be any doubt about the women because the women are putting their best players on the floor and always have, and they will roll through everybody in Tokyo. So it's a big deal for the WNBA to celebrate 25 years, where they've been, where they are now, and uh, there's a lot of uh, ceremonial stuff that will be going on with this today, Uh, and they'll be honoring the 1996 Olympic team, and you're old enough to remember most of these players, but when you think about the the 1996 Olympic team for the women's side. Jennifer Azey, Ruthie Bolton, who is, is a good friend of mine. She played with the, the Monarchs. So I'm glad they're honoring her today. Venus Lacey, Lisa Leslie, Rebecca Lobo, Carla McGee, Don Stately, who is Asia Wilson's coach at South Carolina, and she's the head coach of Team USA. Uh, Katie Steading, Cheryl Swoops, and Neil Fortner. That was your team, and they're honoring them. Uh, that's basically a, a who's who Hall of Fame when you're talking about women's basketball. Well, yeah, and you mentioned it's the 25-year anniversary and this and that, but a lot of people might not realize that, you know, that haven't followed a women's basketball and that, that, you know, this is far from the first inception of a women's professional league. There were two or three leagues before. I remember back when Nancy Lieberman was one of the big stars, and, you know, and there were different leagues, and they had moderate success here and there. I remember the Chicago Hustle when, uh, you know, when the league was kind of going under and they started selling stock to some people and trying to keep the league afloat because my brother John bought it. He had to buy $1,000 worth of stock and he invested in it because he loved the product so much and that. And then it actually came out on the courts that they had to give the people the money back or whatever because of different legalities. But they have tried this several times before. But now with the growth of women's sports in the Olympics and on a national basis and in track and field and everything, and we're always talking about how the men, how the world has caught up to the men in basketball and that's why the USA can lose to a Nigeria or potentially a lot of other teams out there right now if they're not ready to go and they don't have their top players. The women isn't the same, but it is the same as as far as there are superstars from other countries. Maybe not enough to make a whole team that can beat a USA women's dream team type of, type of thing, but people like Liz Cambage and other players out there that come from different places where basketball is growing, and she kind of becomes a, a, a poster and something that the little girls down there look up to, and they aspire to be and maybe come to the WNBA or something someday. So while it may not have the same growth as far as enough to put a whole team together to threaten the USA at this point, there certainly are good quality women's basketball players coming from different points all over the world. And it's really just a matter of time before one country gets enough, one country gets enough of them that they start competing with the USA, and all of a sudden it's not just an automatic gold medal just by yeah. showing up, so to and, speak. And every team that will be in the Tokyo Olympics on the women's side, they're going to have multiple WNBA players on their rosters, just like we see on, on the men's side as well, too. But like you said, Australia will have a, a Liz Cambage, and Australia will probably be the the closest that could come to the USA because they have several people. I mean, you can make the starting five of Australia. They're all very, very good players and they're all WNBA players and a couple, you know, are all stars as well too. But yeah, then, you know, 
there will be those blowouts that we were accustomed to seeing with the men when we had our dream team going back, you know, 20 years ago and even, you know, but... And, and how old yeah. was that back in those days when you saw when the USA would blow a team out and then the other team would come up and they would want autographs and pictures? Yes. I mean, yes. If, if, if it was cell phones yes. today, like there were back then, like they are yes. today, there'd be selfies with every team that the USA blew out with every player out there with, with MJ yeah. and, and just yeah. all the guys out there because, I mean, they were thrilled to be on the court getting blown out by the Dream Team. Right. It's true. It, it is very true. And I think you'll, you'll see that probably with the women at, at the Olympic Games, too. And you know, Asia Wilson, we'll talk with her uh, about this you know, next hour, um, getting ready for the game today, is she started this jersey swap where she you know, she goes, hey, the guys do it all the time. So she started it, and we, we see Asia after games, you know, in her sports bra uh, with basically one of the stars of the other team. And she said she, would, she wants to carry this over to the Olympic Games as well, too. So, again, it's, it's, it's all about marketing and all about, you know, bringing awareness. But, yeah, this, this is a big deal uh, today because it's 25th anniversary. It is a different format, which is going to be very unique as well, too. And again, it's people have come from all over the world to see this part of it's part of Las Vegas and the WNBA, as we know now, this is the second year that they've had. Uh, I want to say second year in a row, but again, last year is a throwout. They didn't have you know all star game or none of that stuff last year, and obviously the women weren't even here. They were in the bubble in Florida, so this is. They want to have the All-Star Game here on a regular basis because it is so much better than having it in a random arena in Chicago or Seattle and that sort of thing. And they, they loved the results two years ago. I think they're loving the results right now. And to team it up with USA Basketball, the men and the women are here. The NBA Summer League is getting ready to start here in a couple weeks as well. So, I mean, you're seeing all the... The NBA guys, the celebrities, they're, they're here. So this is a big deal today at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And it is also because the national team is going to be on display. And this will be the first time that people really have been able to see the women's national team in action. And because of that, so again, the format is the WNBA All-Stars. And you've got Derek Hamby from the Aces. And you've got Liz Cambage, you know, representing the Las Vegas Aces in you know, Liz is her fourth time she's been an all-star. She, she's got this down. She loves the international competition, you know, playing for Team Australia. But for Dierka Hamby, very happy for her, the reigning back-to-back sixth woman of the year, because this is the first time they've actually taken a person, a bench player, and putting them on the all-star team, and deservedly so. So she's very excited about this. They have, you know, the orange carpet, as they call it, you know, the red carpet for the Academy Awards and all that stuff. Well, they have the orange carpet. Her and her daughter, who is a big story, one of the very few mothers who are successful as a player here in the WNBA, um, her and Maya are are on the orange carpet today. Um, And this is not going to be a circus. This is going to be, I'd say, a relatively competitive game because if you're Don Stately and you're Team USA, you have to get prepared for the Olympic Games. They're leaving on Monday. I mean, think about that. So you're going to try to pack in two or three exhibition games, and then you're on a plane Monday to go to Tokyo. So I look for Team USA to take this serious. It's not going to be the shenanigans that we've seen in an NBA All-Star game. And as far as the WNBA All-Stars... You mean All-Stars, they're going to play D? I think you're going to play D. <laughs> and you got to remember, so if you're Don Staley and Team USA, you got to run your stuff. You know, you've got to run your offense. You've got to get, work on your out-of-bounds plays. You've got to get everybody playing time. And then just, yeah, okay, Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi are out. But here comes Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart. And here comes Asia Wilson probably off the bench. And she's the reigning MVP. I don't know what the starting five is going to be. But you get the point. It's just that you're going to probably have some good competition. It's going to be interesting. And to see how the All-Stars take it. And then... To kind of throw this all back to the 25th anniversary, so Lisa Leslie and Tina Thompson are the co-coaches of the WNBA All-Stars, and to see these players like looking up to Lisa Leslie, who was at the game on Sunday as well, too, is like, wow. I mean, talk about players wanting to get selfies. It's going to be a cool experience today because of all of these factors that you probably have a legitimate game as well, too. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. I, I guess if there's one downside to it, and I'm not playing to, trying to play the downer here, it would be nice if they could have more fans in the stands. Yeah, absolutely. And you could say that for for everything. Everything's pretty much been limited for the men here in town as well, too. So, yeah, and the WNBA is, I got to say it, man, they, they are 
They're very tight with all of their protocols, more so than I think any other sport at this point in time and right now. And what's going on in Japan right now, you can't blame them. Because right. although it seems like everything's opening up over here, there's a lot of people that don't even want to go to Japan. There's people that think that they should cancel the Olympics like they did last year, which if they do, they're basically just saying they're done because you can't do them next year. So, you know... It, Although some people would love to see more people there, and like I say, I would like to see it. That's why I just said that. But you can't blame them whatsoever for whatever protocols they put in place right now because the bottom line is you want to go and you want to win the gold, but to win the gold, the games must go on and they must be complete. They must be finished. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not just uh, the women. It's the the men are going through these uh, same protocols too. Uh, You know, the Aria is like the team hotel for everybody, and – uh, when I was over there yesterday, they had a dedicated room for testing, and there were just people coming in and out because the players and anybody who's involved here, they have to continually get tested here. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how you're right. I mean, you're going. It's one thing if the world, say, was coming here, whatever, it's still going to be that heightened security. But when you're going you know, overseas and you're going to a country, like you mentioned, that, man, I mean, they, their government and their, the Olympic Committee and, and their national committee, they're not all on the same page. No. Didn't their prime minister just call for yeah. a state of emergency yes. over there? Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. uh, there's as many as 80% of the people over there want the games canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So next week, uh, you know, our, our players and our athletes will be going with Not just, you know, basketball. We're talking about basketball right now, but... You know, again, we have plenty of other athletes, track and field athletes and swimmers and many people from Las Vegas that are, you know, represented. Uh, You know, Vashti Cunningham, Randall Cunningham's daughter, you know, congratulations to her. Uh, She's getting ready to go to Tokyo as well, too, to participate in the high high jump. It'll be her second Olympic Games. So wish her the best uh, as well, too. And uh, she's had a pretty successful college career over at Oregon as well, too. And, you know, Randall very involved with with coaching her. Which is interesting, too, because it just shows, you know, that Randall Cunningham is more than just a, you know, a jock or an athlete or something. Because he helped his daughter become one of the best in the world. I know at one point she held the world indoor championship for high jump. So, but I mean... He never high jumped. He wasn't a high jumper, but he taught himself and learned enough that he coached her and made her that good. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive in that kind of stuff. You know, first off, that he would take that kind of time and care and everything, and okay, this is what you yeah. want to do, let's do it. But that he remained her coach for a long, long time for for the majority of it when she was first starting out in that. I mean, he was her only coach. Yeah, so. yeah. It's funny because I got invited to go over his house a while back, and he was to to interview both of them and he was in the backyard and he had this basically a kind of olympic training run set up in the backyard and he was not only working her out but he was working out other you know members as well too yeah. and it was like i said different we're used to randall cunningham the quarterback you know randall cunningham the punter randall cunningham the the nfl superstar and he's been all in for years now with the track and field situation and to see him, you know, with the stopwatch and, and, you know, working on these guys and, and not just high jumpers, but sprinters and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, no, again, it's a, it's a credit to him and the family. And then goes and runs his church, and then he goes to his music studios and stuff. So kind of an eclectic guy. Yeah, great guy, too. (laughs) I love Randall Cunningham. All right, so, yes, uh, I'll be skipping over to the arena here uh, right after this hour, and we'll be bringing you all that stuff today. Uh, Frank will be back here, and so we'll be – you know, communicating there and uh, bringing you all the ambience from the Michelob Ultra Arena. Can you either walk or run over there? Yeah, it's going to... Somehow I just got a vision in my head of you skipping, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, I'm not going to be skip. I'm just... I'll be quick. I'll be very quick. Okay. Uh, basketball. Team USA gets the victory yesterday against Woo-hoo! Argentina, 108-80. to But uh, before people get all excited, Team USA 1-2 and two right now. Argentina, we're used to Argentina being pretty good, right? They're 0-3. They got blasted by Nigeria. Uh huh. After Nigeria beat the United States, yes. they, they were on a roll and they said, hey. <laughs> yeah. And then they lost to Australia, too. But that, that was a close game. It was an like overtime game. And then they came into the game yesterday. So Argentina 0 3, USA 1 2. You're kind of shaking your head here, thinking, like, okay, if this was a flashback to maybe the last Olympiad or, you know, a couple before, it's like. These guys would be one and two, you would think, right? Because Argentina was always very, very good. Yeah, you would think it was the bizarro world, and they they have the standings upside down. That's that's not the way it should be. Right. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so USA, uh, they, they get the victory and kind of figured, okay, they're going to, to turn it up a little bit, and they did. And now Greg Popovich, and we gave his comment yesterday when he says, he goes, well, you know, we're getting better. And then yesterday it was pretty much the same. He goes, yeah, we're getting better every day. <laughs> it was, you know, pretty good performance today. It was good. Once these darn championships get over, we'll get a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, this will continue. The women will have a, a few exhibition games uh, coming up this week uh, as well, too. And then off to Tokyo. So, all right, NBA Finals, game number four tonight. The Phoenix Suns lead two games to one over the Milwaukee Bucks. Do you like this thing has been drawn out? I mean, we had this momentum where we had, what, game one on Friday back in Phoenix. You know, or no, take that back, right? We, when did we have game one? I'm thinking back. We had two games. We had, what, the Wednesday-Friday situation? It was something like that, or Thursday, whatever it was. Uh, it right? was a long time ago. It, it was a long There's time ago. a lot right? of stuff going well, on. Well, here's man. my point. Game three was Sunday, right? Game three in Milwaukee was Sunday. We were fearing the deer and seeing the deer district and 25,000 fans outside, 18,000 packed inside. And then now we've got to wait till Wednesday when there's no travel. And I understand what the NBA was doing here. They had the Major League Baseball All-Star game, so they wanted to... Let that stand on its own. I'm not sure that I even believe in that. If you got your product, you know, you got your product. Those are separate audiences. Okay. And and again, I was thinking that last night myself because I agree with you. I think that's why they did it. Did they do it to let it stand on their own? I don't think they did it out of fear of it. Do you? Because, I mean, are are you going to watch the the baseball exhibition or a game that actually means something? It's television. It's all corporate sponsors. So Fox... Has those guys, a lot of the same sponsors, locked up, so they want the showcase there, and you would have to actually play the same time. I mean, you're playing a game in Milwaukee, so it's going to be probably at, at 6 o'clock, like tonight's game, you know, 5 or 6 o'clock. Major League Baseball All-Star Game starts at 5. So we've seen this, that this is your day, we'll go the next day. But, yeah, so you had Game 1 on July the 6th, you had Game 2 on, what, July the 8th, so then Sunday – Whatever date that was, we, you know, we had a little travel going, and then now we had to wait basically three days with no travel between games three and four. And I know the NBA is thinking, hey, you know, this has kind of created more hype, more hype. But for some people, when you're used to just like the NHL, you used to playing every other day, kind of throws you off a little bit. No, I agree with you, and I got it too. You know, when the NHL when it got down to the nitty gritty, you had an NHL game, then an NBA game, then an NHL game, then an NBA game. I kind of like that. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm not crazy about it. I mean, it is what it is. As far as stepping aside for the Major League Baseball All Star Game, I get it from a sponsor standpoint, but it's not like I thought the All Star Game was must watch TV. Oh and no, I had to watch no. every pitch and everything yeah. else out there. So I agree. But you know, it'll, it'll be nice to have him back tonight, and then we'll see. You know, is it going to be a best of three, or is uh, you know, will Phoenix take uh, what looks like it could be a commanding three-one lead if they win the game? So you know, it, it's nice to see him back on the court. But but it it would have made more sense to me if the day that they gave an extra day off would have been a day when they were going from Milwaukee to Phoenix or Phoenix to Milwaukee, not when both games were in Milwaukee. Right. Right. No, I understand. And it's even going to get more quirky. So you got the game tonight, and then they're going to travel back to Phoenix for a game five on Saturday. Okay, that'll be Saturday. So two more days 17th. off again. So right. Thursday, Friday off. Yeah. So, but it gets it gets worse. So then game six, you're going to come back to Milwaukee Tuesday. <laughs> they're really spreading this thing out. Are they that void for for television? Is that like the only thing? I mean, we do have Major League Baseball going on every night. I understand Euro 2020 is over, but man, does it really need to be that spread out? Remember, these guys, these finals are usually done by the 1st of July. Okay, that's when they're usually done at the latest. And now they're stretching this thing out. What's going to be the date if we go to seven games here? It'll be the 22nd. July 22nd. So we've already had this elongated season coming off of the season last year in Florida in, in the bubble, and it went late, 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 and you had no off season. That's why we had heard all the NBA guys complain about this, why several of them say, oh, I don't want to participate in the Olympics because I had no time off. Like LeBron. Right, exactly. Even though he got eliminated early, first round. So 
it, it, it's crazy how this thing just continues to just get deeper and deeper and deeper. And I don't think there's really any reason for that. But yeah, so when it's all said and done, the first game was July the 6th. The seventh game, if it goes seven, would be July the 22nd. That's a, that's a 17-day span if you count the actual days like that. 17 days to get seven games in? I don't know about that. Well, one thing we better not hear is, boy, the team looks tired out there. Right. That's not happening. Because they're getting extra rest. Yeah. And that's another thing. Can, can, speaking of tired and injuries and that sort of thing, l- let me go here because I really am tired of people saying, what Giannis is doing is amazing. He had, you know, 41, 42 points in those back-to-back games. It's so awesome. I can't believe that he is having this phenomenal series because he's injured. Let me tell you something. And I think the big seven-footer will tell you, B.J. Armstrong, Tracy Murray, all of our team here, part of the show, former NBA players and superstars will tell you, he's not injured. If he's putting up 41, 42 points in back-to-back games, and like the seven-footer said last week, that's, 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 that sounds like a glorified knee sprain to me. Hyperextended knee. You talk to any NBA guy, they're saying, that injury's nothing. But there are people in the media that are thinking like, this is phenomenal. How could he be doing this on one leg? That guy is not going to get that torque, that leaping ability. He's not going to be playing 40-plus minutes and getting 40 points, 13 rebounds on a bad knee. He is not injured. So stop the injured talk. So you're saying it's not Willis Reed out there in a Bucks uniform? <laughs> no, that's, that's not Willis Reed. Going against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, and, and I agree with you, too. And, and there's a, and, Or Lou Alcindor, yeah. I should say. Is, is he a little bit banged up or sore? Probably. Does he need a little bit of extra medical care or wrapping it up before a game? Uh, there's a good chance. Stretching. It's, That's it's what he's doing. He's doing NBA, a great job of stretching. Yeah. It's the NBA Finals. He's the key to your team. If he's not in the lineup, you have no chance to win. They've been here before where they've had the chance to win. They haven't gotten it done. He better be out there. He better be playing unless he really is injured. There's a difference between pain and injury. He's suffering some pain. Like you said, we all suffer pain all the time. Every guy right now in the NBA who's playing the finals, no one is at 100%. Everybody's probably between 80 and 90%, okay, because of the wear and tear and everything of that nature. Again, do you hear Giannis complaining about it? You don't see Giannis limping up and down the floor. You don't see it. He is fine. And he had a nasty-looking injury. Okay, but again, he is a Greek freak for, uh, for a reason. Okay, that, that injury looked bad, but it wasn't that bad. And he has done everything proper, like you said, medical and that sort of thing. But, you know, how do you cure that is your stretching and what you're doing with your icing and your heat and all that stuff and really stretching. He's done a great job of that. And you talk to any NBA guy, they will tell you that. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, a fracture. It's not like you're playing with a broken kneecap or even a broken hand or a broken finger. It's not Alec Nothing's Martinez. Broken. It's not Alec Martinez playing with a broken foot no. in the Stanley Cup playoffs. No, no. What did Kucherov play with? Your boy Kuch. He had a rib, he, I think. And a, he had a, a rib. rib. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he had a broken bro- rib. Yeah. So, broken rib. Yeah. Yeah. This know. isn't that. This is that. Uh, for Giannis getting above the rim and doing what he's doing, he's not injured at all. I'd probably boy, say if he is injured. I hate to see him when he's not injured. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, he's, he, he's soaring around like one of Santa's reindeers. Forget about the deer district out yeah, there. Yeah. It just cracks me up. And, again, I, just, I, I really don't like to, to, to pick on you know, you know, media people or, or I guys like to say, our well, media brethren. Like to, they, they, but, they try to dramatize everything yes. so much and make, make everything the, the greatest story in the history of sports. You know, they're, they're trying to make it like Jordan playing with, the, like I said, the Willis Reed thing or Jordan playing when he's got the 140-degree fever or this, that. Or, you I mean the bad like, pizza in Utah? <laughs> Again, maybe that was overblown as well. So there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. But oh, every sick, time yeah. you turn around, I mean, Chris Paul early in the playoffs, oh, can, can he even go? Is he going to be out there? What a pounding he's taking. You know, I mean, it's like everybody's always just completely just. And my thing on that is, if and I've heard people on shows that have, say, NBA players, current or former, with them, and they'll make that statement. The NBA guys will say, wait, 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 listen, okay? I played the game, I could tell you. I just wish that people would defer to those guys. 
like what I'm doing and what we do here. It's like you defer to those guys and say, okay, we hear about this injury. How serious is that injury? And then once the guys tell you, the NBA players say it's not that serious of an injury, then we see media people that feel like they need to explain themselves and say, well, but, no, the guy just told you. The guy who's played in the league for They're all these years. They're trying to downplay it over there. They're yeah. ruining the narrative of my story. It's true. This is the greatest comeback in the history. This guy, he should be on the bench. He should be in the hospital. It's amazing he's even on the court. How did he get out of bed this morning? It's just, it's, it's just funny. It's just like, okay, just... Just admit it. You don't have experience with that. Defer to someone who does have the experience and take what they say as gospel. And then don't try to retract from it afterwards. Just, again, it's just, and and I've been hearing a lot of that the last few days. So, again, just, it's a lot of the national shows and people are doing that. And you're hearing these NBA guys just like the three that we talked to. He's fine. So it all circled back to Randall Cunningham again. There it is. Taking it as the gospel. The gospel. I love it. All right, we come back. Chris Bazio is going to join us, and we talk Major League Baseball. We'll talk about last night's All-Star game. More importantly, first half, second half, we're ready to roll baseball in the second season. All right, let me put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. The Dr. T.C. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. Major League Baseball, second half of the season. We're ready for this, all right? We're past it now. We're past the All-Star game, the shenanigans, the fiasco, the charades, whatever you want to call it. Home Run Derby Monday night, the game last night. Don't forget your favorite, the celebrity softball game. Oh, no. That was yesterday. That was the terrible Tuesday take. But that was the Home Run Derby day. Yeah. Oh, please. I wonder if our next guest ever played in uh, the Celebrity Softball Challenge or, or some of these things. I don't know. We'll, we're definitely going to find out. Here he is, the pitcher, ladies and gentlemen. And, yes, the proprietor of a World Series ring with the Cubs in 2016 as a pitching coach. The one, the only, Chris Bazio. More importantly, the Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer. That, that goes to the top of your resume, my friend. What's going on? Yes. How you doing, buddy? Good. How's everything? Good, man. What's happening with you? So tell me, uh, how much of the All-Star game did you watch, and uh, what were you, what was your thoughts? You know, I uh, glued in the beginning. I wanted to see the Otani show, um, just like, you know, with, with the Home Run Derby. And then, you know, I, I, I touched – touch back and forth throughout the game, but I wasn't glued. I, I kind of lost interest there towards the end, but, um, you know, entertaining to say the least. I mean, they, they really blew it up and, uh, I, I thought they did it right. And, and at some point the players really got to take over. So let me ask you in years past, did you find yourself more glued to the TV than this year? no, because of everything that's gone on in the last year or two. Okay. There's a lot of interest because of the, I, I think also because of the storylines with some of our players. I mean, you know, the bless, the, usually the best players really stand out when the light's shining. And, and Guerrero, I mean, this kid's unbelievable. He really is. And he stepped up and, you know, in a big spot, especially for a young man to do that. I mean, that was huge with all the other big stars out there. Here he is continuing to do what he did in the first half. All right. All right. Uh, Otani pitched. He led off. We haven't seen anything like that before. He uh, pitched one inning. Um, he had two at-bats, no hits, didn't hit the ball out of the infield. So I know there was a lot of hype with that. And, you know, coming off the home run derby where that was a little bit disappointing too, especially the way he started. And we were wondering, Boz, if this guy was going to be tired, you know, from all of those swings, 100-plus swings or whatever it was, in the uh, home run derby on Monday night, and it didn't look like it had an effect on him. But just you kind of kind of speak to that when you you know go through all of that and, and what it's like for a player the, the next day, especially to be the poster boy, so to speak, and to you know to do something that no one's really done probably since Babe Ruth. I mean, you're starting a game as a pitcher, you're leading off, and you're you're doing this dual role, and every everyone's eyes are on you. Well. You know, let me let me break down the schedule a little bit more for you. I'm sure he probably on the day of the home run derby. I, I, I mean, I'm I might be wrong, but 
normally these guys are getting up at 9 o'clock. Some of them have morning workouts, probably get to the park at noon to get loose, stretching, working with trainers and the batting practice, and then all of a sudden what's required of him for the on-the-field batting practice. So, I mean, a lot of these guys, they're there at 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and they're there for 10 hours, literally three consecutive days. There is no break for them. And the home run derby, he's, he's never seen anything like that. And I, you know, I tell you what, eighth of an inch, he, eighth of an inch, he probably hits one in, in, the, in the third deck, but he didn't. You know, he's facing some pretty good guys, too. And, uh, I mean, he put a couple of good swings on and hit the ball hard. But he had been gassed, yeah. and he said he was. And it was interesting, too, because when he was on the mound there, and we mentioned all the swings he took and how a lot of people wanted to see him swing the bat, uh, he was also throwing the ball. I remember at least one pitch where he reached 100 miles an hour. So it seems like he was pumped up on the mound as well. But do you think that will have an effect at all for the second half of the season for him, competing in, the, in all the festivities and the home run derby and everything else? Or do you think he's young enough in that that he can just kind of tone it back and just go back to business as usual when they start back up again? You know, it's it's going to be interesting because I've seen it, I've seen it go go both ways, and that's why some of our players didn't want to attend the home run derby. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, in the in the year that he lost to Bryce Harper, I thought he had won it, and he he admitted. I mean, it took a lot out of him because he had never done anything like that. Schwarber's big and strong, and I'm not saying that you know Schwarber, you know, is like on that level of Otani, but. I tell you what, he was pretty close in the first half for what he'd accomplished. But it, I, I've seen it just absolutely wear guys down, and it's going to be huge for the California Angels, the Anaheim Angels, to move forward and how they manage him. I, you know, look for, I, I would say probably, you know, some starts maybe six or seven days in between. But then the, the other side of it, the Angels are right there. How can you back off on the pedal when you know you're going to be getting, you know, healthy again and getting Upton back and Trout back? And one more thing on Otani, TC, the thing that I really liked, you know, Denver is hard to spin the ball. And I'll tell you what, he threw some sliders, uh, tweener cutters, sliders around 83, 84. They have a lot of depth. That was impressive for a guy that can hit 100, but still be able to back off a little bit shorten the stride a little bit and really get that depth. I mean, this that, that was fun to watch. Well, the good thing, we didn't see uh, anybody get patted down like they were at TSA uh, at the airport or whatever <laughs> last night, right? I mean, the, the, and what about the balls, Boz? Because we heard some people say, hey, maybe these balls are going to be a little bit different. They're not going to be the dehumidifier or, or that sort of thing. You, you think we were having a little different baseballs last night compared to what we saw, like, say, last Saturday and Sunday? I don't know, TC. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I know there's some balls flying out of there Monday night. I mean, you know, when it came to home run derby time. Well, we know they were different colored than the ones in the home run derby. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, crazy. Boz, let me ask you this. Um, you know, Aaron Boone called uh, Kevin Cash over the weekend and said, after Garrett Cole pitched that, that game against the Astros where he went, like, what, 127 pitches and had, threw a phenomenal game. And he said, hey, you know, I'm asking you, you know, you know, not to not to throw our guy Cole because you know we 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 need him here, you know, next week as well too, and we know that's kind of a common thing that happens when when Major League Baseball pitchers get to an All Star game and they know that more than likely they they might not you know pitch because they pitched either Saturday or Sunday leading into the game, but I thought it was interesting last night that the complete opposite of that we saw Chris Bassett for the A's who pitched seven innings on Sunday. And he went out there and pitched. And I loved his comment. It was like, you know, yeah, they, you know, my manager really didn't want me to, you know, to, to pitch or whatever. He goes, but I want to pitch because I never know when I'm going to get this opportunity to be an all star again. And I know Garrett Cole could be a little bit of a, a one-off because you know he's been there before and probably be there numerous times. But give me your thought on that. As a pitcher yourself, as a pitching coach. And dealing with managers and that sort of thing, um, talk a little bit about that. In seventeen, when you know we were the all-star staff, you know you're required to have 
conversations with every manager, pitching coach, you know, when you get their guys. And these conversations are real. And, you know, we got in the spot because we had, we had rode Wade Davis really hard in the first half. And, you know, we're trying to get back there with, you know, pretty much a different bullpen. And the spot came up for Wade Davis where we had already gotten him up. And then all of a sudden we tie the game up and we're like, man, we're, we're really running out of pitching. Cause you know, Joe Madden was moving guys all around and we got caught and he goes, we're going to have to pitch Wade. And I go, we already got him up. And I called down there and, you know, I told Lester Strode, I said, Hey man, you know, we, we got to get Wade in there. And, and Wade goes, I already got up. You guys told me, and I was like, Joe, he, he really doesn't want to get in there. And Wade went in there and ended up giving up a home run to Robinson Cano. And I felt horrible. But sometimes those things do happen and weird stuff happens. But backing out of an all-star game, I mean, I, I probably would have done the same thing that young man did, uh, not ever knowing. I, I mean, I had three chances to get to all-star games, and it was tough being on a Brewer Club with Robin Yount and Paul Mulder. You know, these, these these guys were going every year and back then the lonely old brewers, I mean you remember T C we weren't get we weren't getting a lot of headlines back then and be able to get two guys on there was awesome. Yeah, you're lucky you're thinking, okay, we're gonna get one guy because everybody gets one and but oh I got these two Hall of Famers, yeah, it's not gonna be anybody beyond that. Yeah. But it was uh you know, it was an interesting comment. I can see where Booney's, you know, gonna call and protect his guy. You know, I mean, it is Garrett Cole. He was there, but I think it was great that Bassett got in the game and and he was willing to go out there. He's young, and when you're when you're that young, you feel like you can throw every day, all day. So, and he did well. You know, he did a nice job. So, kudos to him. All right, Chris Bazio joins us, the former pitcher and of course pitching coach as well, talking a little baseball here second half let's go back to the first half real quick and look at your former team the Cubs man they had an 11 game losing streak we have heard the rumors about Chris Bryant and you know he was mic'd up last night and he's you know trying to say all the right things and everything talk a little bit about the Cubs man and what the heck is going on and what are we going to see in the second half from these guys I'll tell you what they injury bug crushed them at the same time, at the tail end of their injuries, right when it looked like everybody was going to start coming back, the bullpen just, they couldn't get anybody out. And it just, it just snowballed. And before you know it, you know, it's six, it's seven, it's eight. It, it, you know, it was unbelievable. And they, they were losing games every possible way that you could. And, um, now they got a decision to make. You know, are they going to go for that, you know, that wild card spot? And everybody seems to believe now all of a sudden they're sellers. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if that team can, can reel off, you know, six or seven in a row, but they can win 10 out of 12. I just don't know if the team that's leading the division is going to do that now because of some of the moves that they've made. And I got to believe Milwaukee is probably going to be looking to add somebody in the back end of that bullpen to get even better. When it comes to a team at this time of the year and they have to make the decision of being a buyer or a seller or if they're standing pat or whatever, and the Cubs have kind of intimated that they are looking to maybe be sellers in that, how do you find that right mix of it's like, well, we're sellers, but what pieces are really available? You don't want to completely give up the whole future and have to do a whole rebuild but there are a lot of players on that club that, uh, you know, they have free agency coming up. They could help other teams. Maybe they have some good prospects down in the minors. I mean, that seems like an interesting mix to figure out. Even if you're sellers, you don't want to be oversellers. You know, that's a good point. They've, they've had some guys, you know, step up in that first half that are totally unexpected. They've got a guy that they signed to – you know, a contract in Jock Peterson who's got a World Series ring, who's a left-handed bat that everybody's probably going to be asking about because he's been there and seems to be able to hit a fastball, which most of the first division clubs are going to feature at the top of the rotation. You know, is it is it Chris Bryant? Is it Javi Baez? Is it Rizzo? 
you know, is it they're bullpen guys. Chafin is having an unbelievable year from the left side. I mean, if, if I'm a San Francisco Giant, Los Angeles Dodger, uh, heck, can you imagine him in the, in the, the pen of the Brewers? Right. You know, these guys, these guys have five or six guys that they can do multiple different things with. And, you know, not still not that be that far away because I, I imagine they're probably going to try to get some, some major league players ready or near ready, or you're going to have to just give me a, a six-star prospect. And I, I don't know if they're going to get that. Speaking I don't of- know if they get that because they got all these free agent guys. I mean, there's five of the six guys we talked about are free agents. Speaking of the Brewers, boss, I know you've spent some time back there the last couple of weeks. This team is playing great, you know, leading this NL Central. Uh, what do you think about you, your old Brewers here? I, I tell you, it's, uh, they they have the town buzzing right now. You know, obviously with the Bucks, you know, the Packer fans are the Packer fans. They're never going to go away. It doesn't matter. They're always going to pack that stadium and and um, you know they're. They're riding high right now. I mean, Adamas is playing out of his mind. That looks like the move, not only of this year, but the last couple of years. I mean, this was a, you're talking about an unbelievable move, giving up two pretty good arms. And to get a, a starting shortstop in return and then have the return stat-wise of what he's doing, he's totally changed that lineup. And, you know, he made an interesting comment that he's seeing the ball better than he's ever seen it. He goes, he didn't really realize, you know, how dark the trop was until, you know, he got into, you know, American Family Field with the Brewers and, and how well he can see the ball. And not only just there, but like in the National League, some of these parks, he's like, the lighting is, is much better than like in Boston and New York and down in Tampa. So some interesting comments by a, a new brewer that's quickly becoming a fan favorite. Yeah, it's it's not right what you said. American Family Field or whatever. I mean, I can't get used uh, to that. Come on, man. Mil- I, Miller dude, Park? I, I, you talking about Miller Park? Was, the darkness so in Miller Park? I, I can relate to that. I, I, I was trying to remember the name. I think I <laughs> get some. Where's the drum when you need him? Come on. That's Nubchuck falling asleep again. I don't know. Was yeah, that drum out. worthy, that's though? Right. Was that even no, drum? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That was terrible. No, was, Maybe the zonk I, I was or begging. something. Yeah. Dude, I, re- I remember the name. That should be a zonk. That's true. Uh, that's pathetic. Well, plus you can't American ex- Family Field. Yeah, plus, you can't blame it for falling asleep because you said it was dark in the parks. So that's true. Yeah, it's it's very dark. Oh my God. I just yeah. want to take a nap. Okay, boss. What's going on in the NL West? I mean, you, where you're residing now, those low, lowly Diamondbacks are lo- 32 and a half games out right now. And you're looking up at the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres. I let's should we just cut off all the wild card stuff right now? Three teams are going from that division. Man, alive! I tell you, talk about selling the farm. You know their their phones are so busy here in the valley. I mean, they they're trying to hire more operators. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. Yeah, sleep still. I'm still sleep. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, yeah. yeah. He's asleep. You, I got you, it. You got you got nothing today. You know, I got nothing. I know. You probably the feel like you're back. You separate. feel like you're back at your old Appleton station. That, that's because he's drinking. <laughs> he, he's drinking water today instead of his Monster Energy, so he's not he's not awake. Yeah, I, I actually turned the the score back on there, and I Did I listened real quick. I I smiled and I kept driving. Oh, I turned it again. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You'd have to turn it again, exactly. That's it was it was real quick. <laughs> We're uh, this little inside joke here with the radio station the Boz used to work with uh, outside of Green Bay. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's what we're talking about there. That then that sound you just heard that was usually happen before and after Boz get, would get off the air. It was a friend of mine that I worked with. <laughs> he had a amazing influence. This is like actually watching the pitch. Oh, stop, man. I, 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 was, a, I was a workhorse, baby. Yeah, I'd, I'd go, go fast. That would get going. Don't you dare it's go. It's not down. how you start. It's how you finish, baby. Oh, that's it. I'm a, I'm a complete game. I'm a CG guy, complete game guy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. All right, man. Yeah. It's completely, it's, it's, completely gullible. It's, it's good to be a workhorse as long as you're not the wrong end of the horse. This is good. 
That's it. Okay, yeah, boss. Astros, let's give Dusty some credit, man. And how oh, about a kudos to the Astros, that Altuve and those guys say, nah, we don't want to get booed. We're not going to go to the All-Star game. But, uh, hey, they're 19 over 500 right now. They're playing great. They really are. I couldn't happen to a better dude, man. I'm, I'm really going to be watching us close and wishing the best. You know that, and I know you do too. You got it, man. All right. Hey, real quick, got to throw this in because we were talking about it in the break before we got you on here. Numchuck behind the board likes the All-Star Game uniforms. Oh, TC and I were explaining to him why they are garbage. Explaining? Your thoughts. Was that the right word, explaining? Well, you, you, you were rather adamant about it, jumping <laughs> up and down, breaking glass and stuff. But All right, uh, this is all you need to picture, guys. That was the home and road uniforms for Folsom High School where TC pitched. <laughs> you know what? You're, you're pretty close to that. I know. You are. I know, dude. I know. I know. It's as pathetic as it is. I never so thought true. that. It really was. It was just like that. I thought that. about it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I was kind. Of, I didn't even know that TC's uniforms were like that, but I was thinking they looked like they could be home and road for Folsom Prison or something. Hey, but boys, you got to remember, one year, a couple years, we had pinstripes, and our pinstripes are pretty cool. Those blue pinstripes are pretty cool. Yeah, with that that big F. There you go. But yeah, you're right though. The color combo exactly. We did have. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember like, being anything about Folsom being cool. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. I get you. All right, brother. Be good, man, and uh, let's let's talk with you next week here. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Maybe the winners were a little on the cool side. Yeah. (laughs) Chris Bazio, the former pitching coach of the Cubs and a great pitcher, author of a no-hitter back in the day as well. Uh, Great stuff as always. All right, ballpark. Uh, I'm uh, I'm scooting down the street real quick and got to get over to the Michelob Ultra Arena. We're going to have some fantastic interviews with an all-star game preview for you, WNBA all-star game. Chelsea Gray, Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Sue Bird, the legend, uh, Mark Davis also uh, joining me. So we'll have some fun with that. So Yeah, and then, of course, uh, you'll be back in here tomorrow, and we'll uh, recap uh, what you're seeing tonight over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, game four of the NBA, yes. more baseball as that gets ready to start mm-hmm. rolling again. So a lot of things going on in the Dead time of sports. Yeah, which, yeah that just cracks me <laughs> but, up, too. Plus, we have a little thing called the Olympics right around the corner. Exactly. It's a great time. All right. You going to get some Dorito earrings for your daughter? Yeah, I think I'll pass on that. All right. Well, you know, the one sprinter for Team USA that wore the oh, that's Dorito true. earrings. That's true. She got a nice endorsement from Doritos that's out true. of it now. That's true. Getting paid. That's true. That, be proactive. <laughs> All right. Uh, passing the baton over to Ballpark. Frank, don't you dare go anywhere. Got a great hour lined up for you right here. TC Martin Show on a Wednesday.